Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. This episode is brought to you by Folgers Coffee. You're not just any coffee drinker. You're a Folgers Coffee drinker. Because for over 170 years, Folgers has been serving up expertly crafted brews that are bold, never bougie. And now there's over 20 varieties to choose from. Damn good coffee roasted in New Orleans. Damn right, it's Folgers. Visit FolgersCoffee.com coffee to shop now. And welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, I'm, I'm getting confused. We've we've had an extra pod already this week, um, uh, and we, we may have another one to come tomorrow. So I'm having to remind myself that today is the news pod, and I need reminding, <laughs> I need reminding where you are at the moment, Kieran. Uh, I, I'm I'm in Timperley, the the home of Frank Sidebottom. Oh, so it's it's a it's a very honourable place to be yeah. in. Uh, there, there's a statue of Frank, which was put up by the locals, uh, and it's it, it's next to the uh, it's next to the laundrette I used to go to as well. So yeah, it, it's very rock and roll for me. Oh, don't don't tell Debbie McGee. Um, I, <laughs> any, anybody uh, anybody under the age of thirty, uh, I urge you to YouTube Frank Sidebottom. You you will not have ever seen anything. I, I knew him very vaguely, but that what that act. He was a yeah. he was. I, I, this seems an odd thing to say, Kieran, but he was a different man when he put that giant papier mâché mask on. He was quite quite reserved, uh, but fascinating, Kieran. It is a big news week, and mm. the first story, Kieran. I, I mean, you you barely have time to breathe, as it is, Kieran, but. Uh, we know how excited you get when when accounts come out, and and the accounts don't get bigger than these, Kieran. Do they? It, that's right. It, it's our it's our very good friends at FIFA. Really? Um, and do, yeah, we have, do we have very good friends? Who, who are the people we don't like then at FIFA? <laughs> oh no, no. We 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 today we feel FIFA uh, really? to as as uh, Gianni Infantino would say. Um, I, I think the, these accounts show exactly why FIFA wants to muscle in on the territory of, of the likes of UEFA. Because w- what we've seen is the the revenue of FIFA went up from $760 million to $5 billion, $760 million um, on, on the back of the World Cup. And, and you think they, that they earned that effectively over four weeks, such, such is the appeal of the competition. And from a footballing point of view, it, it was a great competition. And from a from a money-raising point of view, it, it's absolutely fantastic for FIFA as well. Yet, yes, they've got hosting costs, but they 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 do all right themselves because they 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 made of, of that five point seven billion that they generated in revenue, that they've had to clearly have some 
costs in, in terms of hosting and, and uh, their relationship with Qatari FA, and that that's, makes sense. They've had to give compensation to the clubs because they're effectively borrowing the players for a month. But even so, it doesn't make a huge dent. So they, they made a profit of $2.3 billion, um, on that 5.7. And then when you read the small print, um, they, they paid tax at 0.9% on their profits which uh, I, I think quite a few institutions would like to do. And, and part of the reason for this is that uh, FIFA is a registered charity. Um, and when it goes to a country and say, yeah, I know you want to host the World Cup. Can we just, just agree a few things? One of which is when if you do win the World Cup, one of the things we insist on is that we are effectively have charitable status um, during the course of the tournament. So we don't pay any taxes to you. I think quite often the players don't pay any taxes to you uh, as well. <clears throat> and and that's why it works out very well. And, and they, they extend that a bit because I, I, I taught a course for FIFA uh, two or three weeks ago. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was, I was quite chuffed to be asked to do it. Hmm. And uh, at, at the end of it, uh, they said, thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. So on, so And I sort of, yeah, I'm. Hear me. I'm. I'm. I'm a bit polite, and I'm not very good at pushing myself forwards on things. So I was sort of, sort of hanging round. Sort of, um, we've we've not sort of sorted out the fee for this and expenses and and so on. Um, and then he said, "Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, yeah, we're, we're FIFA. Uh, it, it's a charity, so we're assuming you're doing it on a pro bono basis." What? Uh, uh, <laughs> so I go, "Oh, okay, mate." <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so that was it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I did a benefit for a charity on, on Monday night and I'm happy to do so for nothing because it's a it's a it's a lovely charity that I know very well it's not FIFA you know work for <laughs> nothing right. for, I'm slightly disappointed that they asked you to work for them Kieran because it indicates to me they don't listen to the pod <laughs> yes oh, well I think I think we I think we're fair uh, I mean the, uh, we, we, we say that FIFA does a hell of a lot of good work yeah. around the world in terms of individual projects. And I think that gets mixed up with uh, some of the issues in terms of, of governance and transparency uh, and cor- with and regards corruption. to the awarding of the tournament yeah. and right. uh, yeah. the, the way that the executives behave, which, uh, which, is, which is a bit disturbing. And, and talking of executives, um, con- congratulations to uh, Jenny Anfantino, Who's uh, who, who's who got four hundred and sixty thousand in in twenty eighteen for the uh, World Cup in Qatar, and he, he must have done extremely well over the last four years because he got quadruple that. He got one point seven million dollars. Wow. Uh, well, sorry, one point seven million pounds salary, and uh, he's he's also been awarded a one point four million pound bonus. Wow! On top um, for something. Um, didn't he? Didn't he achieve world peace during the course of the tournament? You know, he he, he suggested to uh, Russia and Ukraine that they that they 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 stop hostilities and allow uh, allow people to watch the football. I don't think that quite worked, but no, I guess he got the bonus. It, it's it's the thought that counts, isn't it? Well, see, uh, he's he's the boss, Kieran, so he probably just nodded it through without checking the technicalities of what was still going on. <laughs> exactly what I would do if ever I was the boss of anything. And, and my inbox had a 1.4 million bonus. I'd probably nod it through as well, Kieran, without checking to see there'd been a mistake. 
Yes. So um, they, they've they've had they've had a very good year, but the problem is it's now twenty twenty three, and we've we've got the FIFA Women's World Cup, which in, in Australia and New Zealand, which I think will be a great tournament, and yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to cheering on the Lionesses, and I'm going to see the Lionesses play uh, Brazil uh, in, in a couple of months. So, so that's something to really look forward to. But the the value of the TV rights is is considerably lower. So th- this this is why FIFA is so keen to have a significantly expanded FIFA World Cup. Yeah, uh, because we, we've just had the so uh, the, the Club World Cup. We, we've just seen that in respect of uh, Real Madrid won it a couple of weeks ago. And I only realised because somebody mentioned it on the telly. I didn't even know the tournament had taken place. Yeah. So FIFA have seen how successful UEFA are with regards to um, the, the Champions League. And they want a slice of the action. And it, it, it could very well work. I think it, it, they'll have to... They'll have to work hard to, to capture the imagination of, of the public. But um, we'll we'll see how that goes. But I do think it could open up a, a much broader issue because we, we have been talking about multi-club ownership and the, the potential issues that could arise if, for example, there are deemed to be links between the owners of PSG and Manchester United if there's a Qatari takeover. We know that Jim Ratcliffe, he owns a French club. Well, what happens if they draw Manchester United, if he buys Manchester United? And and that's one thing. But quite a few of the multi-club ownership models extend out of Europe. And historically, it's never really been a problem because uh, you effectively have to be the champions of of Europe and you end up playing the champions of the other continents and so on. But if you expand the, the tournament to, say, 32 teams... You could have a scenario where you've got owners that have you know, one club in Asia, another club in South America, another club in Europe. They're all owned by the same people. And I don't think FIFA has thought this through as yet. Uh, and, and that could impact upon the success or the, the integrity of the tournament going forwards. A couple of questions, Kieran, on FIFA, if I may. First of all, historically, they always dealt in US dollars. Yes, yes, Swiss francs or, or US dollars, um, b- because FIFA is effectively uh, an organisation relating to two hundred different countries. the The US dollar is the sort of backstop currency that everybody knows the value of a dollar. So, therefore, FIFA like to put out their their accounts in dollars because they know it's the most universal of currencies and therefore if somebody is reading it in in india if somebody's reading it in nigeria or or uh, paraguay then they've got a rough idea um of of what that would work in what the numbers would work out in terms of the local currency did they even pay they didn't even pay expenses fifa no, they just said. Maybe to be fair, it was. I, I didn't ask for any, and and, and, it, and it was. I was only popping up to London, so. But uh, yeah, I was a bit. Uh, I was a bit. Oh, okay. I said, I mean, the Baroness would have been expecting a bottle of champagne at the very least, not you coming well, home. Yeah, well, she 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 probably will get one because 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 if if she finds out that I've done it for nothing, I, I think I might have to. Uh, 
uh, I, I might be on the naughty step. Well, as we know, Kieran, for some reason, neither the Baroness nor Ali listen to this pod. I don't know why. <laughs> historical reasons. Uh, secondly, Kieran, you mentioned that the, the tax figure, 0.9%, was tucked away in the small print where only you would read it. In <laughs> in a non-World Cup year, who are they paying 0.9% tax to? Which government is collecting tax it would be the Swiss government. I mean, right. the way the way that the Swiss system works, um, and if, if Swiss Ramble is is listening, um, which he probably isn't because he's, he's he's far too highbrow for this, um, but he he will probably confirm that individual Swiss cantons have slightly have different rates of tax, and, and that's one way of attracting uh, organisations to different parts of of Switzerland itself. But it would it would it would normally be. Uh, in Switzerland, because that that's where uh, FIFA is based. I don't know how to break this to you, Kieran, but we've, we've just discussed two people who we know definitely don't listen to the pod. I think there's probably three people who definitely don't <laughs> listen to the pod, and you just mentioned the third one. And finally, Kieran, how extensive are these accounts? I mean, are they talking about things like futsal and, and the more minor things that FIFA look after as well? Yes, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they're they're very glossy. They are very inclusive. Um, that they are detailed. And and futsal, if anybody's you know, not seen it, is is absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, yeah, it, it it's it's ridiculously skillful. Um, although I think if you were say Mickey Droy, I wouldn't recommend taking it up. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, Mickey Droy was six foot four inch. I think he was an ex bin man, wasn't he? Yes, he I, I don't care yeah. how. I don't care what lack of skill he has. He'd still dominate that. Um, uh, Kieran, we we often talk about this next club, a club that mysteriously seems to have loads of money while well, losing loads of money, but um, they're, they're paying a lot of money to a, a, a slightly strange company. Yes. And I've not got my script in front of me. So See, I'm, I'm talking, Kieran. Yeah, I, this, every now and again we have people listening to this show who don't really know a lot about football. We try to weed them out by my clever in- introductions. Barcelona, Kieran. We're talking about Barcelona. Oh yes, yes. Sorry, yes. Let me. Uh, what are you? Are you doing this for memory, Kieran? You improvising? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm because I'm, I'm staying in Timperley. I, I don't have all of my normal bits and pieces. <laughs> In front of me. Why? So, <laughs> Why? Are, there, are there different rules in Timberley about laptops? <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think it, it, it's more to do with the fact that I'm ridiculously disorganised. But I've just, I've just found, I've just found my my piece of paper now. Okay. Yes, um, this is this is our very good friends in Barcelona, who, you know, one one of the one of the architects of Super League, uh, a company, a club which has been subject to financial repercussions from uh, La Liga. And now, and, and this is this, this actually, as many things do, remember, remember Al Capone uh, ended up in the clink because of this. This came about because of a tax inspection. And it's a company which is run by a former senior referee in La Liga, and there were some strange invoices which didn't have any details on, but they were made out to Barcelona Football Club. And the tax authorities said, what, what, what exactly, you know, you, you don't write out 
these. And, and it, it started off like it started off to be a million pounds. And I don't think it's sort of it's crept up now over the years to be about four to five million pounds. And it's covering a long period of time. Um, and uh, when Barcelona were asked about it, you know, why are you paying a company owned by a former senior referee? In fact, it's, it's somebody that sort of organizes referees. Um, it was sort of a very vague, oh, oh yeah, we, uh, we, we advise football clubs about referees. And you go, what exactly do you mean you advise? Well, yeah, we advise them as to, you know, whether the referee is, uh, you know, trigger happy, uh, you know, what type of, uh, things he's, he, he dislikes most and so on. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, all you've got to do is to watch three or four matches and you know, you know, which referees are tolerant and which are more likely to hand out cards and so on. Um, so it, it's all now starting to get just a little bit uncomfortable, I think, for Barcelona, who are who are sort of, you know, whistling in the dark with regards to this and sort of just pretending, you know, pretending that nothing's happened. Um, but if, if you've paid you know, a sizable amount to a company of a formal referee, uh, and he, he then sort of said, oh, but, but you know, th- this, this, this advice wasn't given by me. It was given by my son. What? And I'm going, it just, you know, the more, the more he starts digging a hole for himself, the worse it looks. So Barcelona, I, I think, uh, are open to uh, a bit of an investigation here, potentially, because it, it looked, you know, the, the optics here look terrible. And there's no... There's no evidence or suggestion of corruption in terms of referees, and you know, for 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 all of the stick that referees get, of which you know a little bit is perhaps justified, the vast majority isn't. Um, the, the one thing which which always galls me is, as somebody who used to referee at you know low level football, is I might be crap, but I'm not corrupt. And, and I think yeah, that's the thing which I think upsets referees. Yeah, yeah, referees make mistakes, and you know some some mistakes are are bigger than others, but but they are they're genuine, honest mistakes. Um, and, and I was look, looking at some postings by somebody who said um, you know that they they should be sacked for making mistakes. Okay, well that's that's very harsh because mm-hmm. um, you know let, let's let's take Robert Sanchez, uh, Allison, and Tino Courtois all of whom have made absolute rickets in the last couple of weeks, which which have cost their clubs goals. But you wouldn't say sack a goalkeeper because he, he, he drops the ball at the feet of a striker. So, so you know, to say sacking a referee. So referees are, are, are not corrupt um, in the vast majority of instances in the vast majority of countries. We, we know that that's not, that isn't universal. But as for certainly as far as European football is concerned, I think uh, you know the, the, the integrity of the sport is there. But this this does simply it, it, it asks more questions than the answers we're getting. And Barcelona are very much on the defensive with regards to this. And uh, the 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 former referee he's he's looking at looking coming out of this. Uh, yeah, I've earned a lot of money from this, and and doesn't really have a. A, a viable explanation. You know, why? Why would a referee advise a club? And, and you know, from the club's point of view, they must realise that it just looks terrible. So it's it, it's messy. It, it's it's involving large sums of money, and you know, for a club which many people 
of a sort of a, a liberal persuasion have historically quite liked for, mm. for their opposition, you know, their, their, their representation of sort of the Catalan uh, nation. Uh, they, they are becoming increasingly grubby with the way that they behave. I mean, it almost beggars belief, Kieran, that La Liga, if they knew about this, and you'd imagine they would, allow this company to... That's it. I mean, obviously, it's a, a, a decent potential career opportunity for Lee Mason, but it's it's incredible to think that there could be anything other than skullduggery involved in this going on. Although I do like the idea of when you were refereeing in the uh, Junior Northern Accountants League, or whatever it was, <laughs> somebody paying uh, a former referee 50 quid to find out, yeah, yeah, the ref on Sunday's colorblind. Thank you very much. <laughs> we'll tell you that. Um, Wimbledon famously uh, made no secret of the fact that they, they got somebody at the club to research the referee so that when the Justin Fashion, whoever was captain that week, was tossing the coin, he'd say to the ref, oh, how's your daughter's ballet lessons going? Or got any new fish for that tank? And the ref would be so friendly for the next five minutes, they, they got away with murder. So, I mean, that's quite, yeah. that's quite clever in a way, but mm. I, I don't think Wimbledon were paying money for it. That's a... Uh, one we'll definitely have to keep an eye on. Um, yes. In the West Midlands, Kieran, uh, some unexpected blues for City. Yes. Um, this is uh, a a press release from the EFL, um, and it's it, it, it's clearly been through a few sets of lawyers mm. before it was published. Um, so it, it's quite neutral. But it is uh, making reference to uh, persons or people unknown uh, or known uh, in relation to uh, a, a takeover bid, which, which didn't take place. But um, for those people unfamiliar, there was, there's a former Argentinian player called Maxi Lopez, and he was involved with a local businessman. I think his name's Paul Richardson, with regards to a takeover. And to, and to a certain extent, that they seem to be acting as if they bought the club. Um, they were certainly being photographed at times down down at St Andrews, and I think the fans rightly got quite excited at the at the prospect of having somebody um, in charge of Birmingham because the, the, the current owners trying to work out whether they're based in Hong Kong. Then there's 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 other companies connected in other countries as well. It, it's all very messy and murky. Uh, part of Birmingham's ground has been closed down. Uh, there's been no money spent in terms of infrastructure. Um, and also uh, there's been uh, there's been rumours of, of Matt Southall being uh, linked to this possible takeover. And, and Matt Southall, for, for people who aren't familiar with uh, his background, he was in charge of uh, Charlton Athletic for a few months and during that period of time I think it's fair to say that the uh, the expenses uh, went, went went through the roof uh, in terms of the cost of running the club and and he he fell out with the the fellow owner and Ch- Charlton have had nothing but bad luck in terms of uh, a sort of a, a merry-go-round of, of owners and non-owners and possible owners, um, and uh, in a, in a pretty much rogues gallery, I'd say that, that his period of of tenureship was 
possibly the worst. You know, they, they, Charlton fans didn't like Roland de Chachelet because they didn't feel he put money enough money into the club, but he, he, at least he wasn't taking money out of the club in the way that he had, we, we saw with Matt Southall uh, in terms of uh, on lifestyle issues. So uh, there, there is now a, a concern that uh, in respect of this potential takeover, the, the appropriate uh, actions were not taken. And, and and there's a genuine fear that this could result in a points deduction. Uh, yeah, we will have to wait wait for uh, the investigation to to take due process. But it, it's it's not looking great from from Birmingham's point of view, and uh, it, it's another classic case of you know the, the fans now live in a period of uncertainty. The, the fans themselves have have done nothing to to cause this. Um, but it's it's difficult for the EFL to uh, financially uh, fine people that didn't actually own the club because they the EFL don't really have any rights as such with regards to that. So therefore, what else do they have as a course of action? There could be financial sanctions against the club, or we could have a points deduction. Remember, Birmingham did have a points deduction um, a couple of years ago in relation to, to signing a player during a period in which they, they weren't supposed to be signing players. So um, they've had nothing but bad luck. And, and uh, as somebody that, that loves a trip to Birmingham, uh, I just I just hope uh, it gets sorted out ASAP. I'd, I'd, I'd love St Andrews. I've had some lovely times there. But can you just give me some actual clarity here, Kieran? And I think Birmingham City fans would, would like it as well. You, you've indicated that clearly these are serious alleged rule breaches. But reading the uh, press release from the EFL, which, as you say, was circumspect, mm. it, it, it seemed to me that it, investigating the potential new owners uncovered historic issues. Am I right? Would, would that is that a fair reading? of? Yes, yes, that, that's certainly the way it, it came across, um, you know, why Maxi Lopez was involved in the first place is something nobody can quite work out. I think Paul Richardson was was sort of, you know, to a certain extent, a bystander in all of this. But there there are uh, issues, and, and there's there's a there's a Birmingham fan called Daniel who's who is an absolute sleuth when it comes to trying to work out um, the the exact nature of Trillion, which which is sort of the company which. Uh, was was involved in terms of, of the present owners as to who exactly owns that. Uh, and I don't think the EFL are particularly comfortable in, in trying to trace. Ultimately, you've got to have one person or a group of people who are responsible for, for owning the club. And the, the paper trail sort of disappears at times. So I, I think that, it, that you're absolutely right. It's not just this takeover bid, but um, the EFL uh, and yeah, the EFL have, have certainly upped their game in the last few years in, in terms of trying to protect clubs um, from from unscrupulous owners, and the position at Birmingham is is certainly one of of discomfort. Chronic migraine is fifteen or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, 8 to 9 headache days a month versus 6 to 7 for placebo. 
Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Talking of takeovers, you have mentioned it briefly. What is the latest on the Man United ownership bid? Well, um, it, it's 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 acting in a very strange manner because we've got two parties who have come out and, and are waving their arms around. Uh, we've got Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who uh, is you know historically born in Manchester. Uh, he, he says he's been a lifelong Manchester United fan, although he also had a season ticket at Chelsea, and I, and I find that a bit a bit odd. Mm. But you know, uh, and he's he's been sort of very vocal to say, uh, you know, this is this is a Manchester bid for a Manchester club. And I think that's that's the route that he's going down. And and then we had the uh, the appearance of of Sheikh Jazim. Um, who is not connected to the Qatari Sports Investment Fund, uh, as, as he is very at pains to put out. But, you know, and, and this isn't a criticism of Qatar. Qatar is a country in which there is rule by decree. So in such a uh, governmental structure, um, you normally have to have approval before anything significant takes place. Now, by all accounts, uh, Sheikh uh, you know his his family are very very wealthy, very very successful. I think I think he was he was at Sandringham. Uh, he's he he knows banking. Uh, he knows the world of finance, and and, he, and his family were were sort of part of the the strategy for Qatar. Uh, investments uh, in in London itself from a property point of view, or from which uh, the, the Qatari authorities have, have done ex- extremely well, because you know we know we know the London property market is very buoyant. So those are the two uh, potential bidders that that we're aware of. Um, but then over sort of the course of the weekend, the, there were and, and there's there's lots of stuff being strategically leaked there were sort of these rumbles coming from 
well, the Glazers aren't very happy that uh, there's been talk about restoring Manchester United to its former glories with the sort of the, the, the implication that Manchester United were, were not successful under the Glazers. And, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons to potentially dislike the Glazers, and I, I'm, I'm more than happy to give them uh, criticism. But yeah, they, they did win. Manchester United did win the, the Champions League um, under the period of the Glazers' ownership. And I think they've won the Premier League as well, yeah, yeah. three or four times as well, uh, in addition. So it, it's not been a period of zero success. It has been a period of very little success since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. And there's a case for saying that it was Sir Alex Ferguson sort of compensated for some of the complications caused by the Glazers. And when he left, it, it there was nobody left to paper over the cracks. Um, so, so that's what we've got in terms of public. And, the, and then sort of the noises were, oh, the Glazers are now thinking about not selling or only selling a smaller amount of the company. And in addition, they are now looking to that um, they're now looking to perhaps raise some funds privately with a view to revamping Old Trafford, which is something they've they've spoken vaguely about before. But uh, yeah, and this could this could be them positioning themselves because it looks as if the bids which have come in have not matched their expectations. They they were hoping to get six to eight billion pounds for Manchester United. I think the the bids which have come in are probably in the region of four and a half. Um, there's probably room to to tweak a bit more out of them, but I, I don't think they've been over happy with with the extent of the bids. Now, in my view, six to eight billion pounds is you're paying an awful lot for the name, and Manchester United is is a you know, it is a uh, it is a fantastic name in the worlds of of, of sports brands. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it would, at that level, certainly make Manchester United the most expensive sale of a sports club stroke franchise in, in the history of all sports. And, and that includes uh, you know, American uh, you know, NBA and NFL franchises as well. Um, are there other offers? Uh, well, if there are, they're keeping their mouths shut. Then that could be due to the fact that the Rain Group, who are the advisors to the Glazer family, um, they've asked people to sign NDAs. Um, I believe that the, the the serious bidders have had an opportunity to see what is referred to as as the data room, which is the all the details of the contracts of Manchester United, the sponsorship arrangements, player contracts, wage commitments, future. Uh, future sort of contingent payments in in respect of add-ons. So I I think they have had access to this. And sort of the noises that I'm getting is that part of the reason why the bids haven't been as big as the Glazer family would have liked was that the people that have seen that information have gone, oh, yeah, they've they've been a bit underwhelmed uh, in terms of the uh, sort of the guaranteed incomes, but also the committed costs uh, in terms of Manchester United, and remember, whoever does buy the club, should it be sold, uh, does have this this further elephant in the room, in the form of having to find a substantial amount of money to to address the the Old Trafford issue, because Old Trafford is is not a twenty first century stadium for if you're a regular fan. Uh, you know the, the, the facilities are <coughs> poor. Excuse me. Um, to be fair to Jim Ratcliffe, Kieran. He may have had a season ticket at Chelsea just to make sure he got a ticket for the Man United away game. 
you can afford yes. it. Um, what do the Glazers do, Kieran? If the Glazers, do they decide, right, if we're not getting six to eight billion pounds, we're not selling, or do they bite the bullet and accept the highest bid? I, I think they are more likely to reject a takeover. Uh, I mean, both Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Sir Jim Ratcliffe is looking to acquire the shares owned by the Glazers, which would mean that there's 31% of the shares um, which would not be sold to him. I think he's, he's also looking to potentially borrow money to acquire those shares, which won't go down well with Manchester United fans because they've had, a, uh, they've had a, a sense of unease with regards to the amount of debt at the club. So um, the Glazers might sell, they, they, they might do something similar to what we're, what we're expecting to see at, uh, at Liverpool, where they sell you know, 15 or 20%. Manchester City, for example, they've sold 17% to an American investment company, and that raised uh, half, half a million pounds, so half a billion pounds. Um, if, if the Glazers sold 20% of Manchester United, they could probably raise the thick end of a billion and in doing so, that that could provide the the vast majority of the funding required to to, to revamp Old Trafford. Yeah, my my personal view as somebody that yeah, goes to Old Trafford on a regular basis as an away fan is is the best course of action is is to follow the Spurs model is to is to knock it down is is to start all over again and and make it a future proof stadium. Um, there's no reason why it couldn't be 85, 90,000 seats. They would sell that out every week. They could have as many corporate boxes as they want. They, they could then utilise the stadium for things other than football on a more regular basis and, and really start to monetize it. But you know, that, that's clearly a decision for other people to make. Well, that's, what's that? that's a minimum of 10 years, Kieran, isn't it? By the time you acquire the land and get the stadium built, I'd have thought. Um, I, th- I, th- it, I think it could be done a wee bit bigger. Right. Uh, we Quicker. A wee bit quicker. 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 Good grief! Yeah, quicker, it's yeah. it's late at night. Um, only for you. Kieran. So it's, it's if you didn't get up so early in the morning, Kieran, this wouldn't be late at night for you. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I, 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 I do get up at five o'clock to to to, to check to check company's house. Of course, what, what else? <laughs> what, what else is there to do in the morning? Um. So so I think that's where we where we are. Uh, would it be ten years? I, th- I think it could be done quicker than that. You know, Spurs. Spurs, Spurs were only at Wembley for two years, remember? Two, was it two, two and a half? Oh, that's true, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, also to finish on that, Kieran, you're, you're saying that Jim Ratcliffe, one of the wealthiest men that the UK has ever seen, probably can't afford to buy Man United on his own. I think Sir Jim Ratcliffe has the assets to do it. Oh, I don't okay. think he has the I cash. Um, you know, a, a lot of his wealth is tied up in Ineos itself. Right. Um, so, so I, I don't think he he would be able to to rustle up uh, the the physical cash to to make that uh, that make that deal go through without having to to raise funds elsewhere. Uh, meanwhile, Kieran, fans of the Uni- another United are biting their nails for a completely different reason. I was this gig I did the other night uh, was headlined by the wonderful Terry Alderton, who used to be on the books at South End, and there was a group of South End fans in. the uh, in the audience, including a, an Essex-based journalist, and they're oh, they're very sombre. I, I wish I was able to give them some better information than I could because it's it, it's looking grim, isn't it, for Southend? It, it, it is. Yes, I, th- I think there's a genuine concern here in the sense that the the owner of Southend, Ron Martin, who historically has 
kicked the can down the road on on many an occasion when there's been people saying we've not been paid and he his the only consolation the only sort of sort of grain of hope that I can give to south end united fans is that he does enjoy brinksmanship and what we've effectively got is i think it's on the 1st of march there's a winding up order from hmrc in respect of unpaid taxes i think it's somewhere in the region of 1.4 million pounds yeah and the 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 judge has said um ron martin you've you've asked for extra time to pay this um this this is your last chance um, now, Ron Martin says, I'm, I'm going to make efforts to, to try to, to raise the funds, to pay the tax, to, to keep HMRC off, off the back of the club, and therefore um, it will continue in existence. But uh, you know, we, we're hearing stories about players going unpaid, uh, you know, away trips, how they're being funded. is Nobody's quite sure how how, how the, you know, because I think the coach company and the tra- transport company, they say, well, you know, we, we ain't prepared to go and supply you on credit, um, and th- there's there's a huge sense of unease. And you know, Southend United they they're in the fifth tier of of, of English football, but they get cracking crowds. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, as, as as many clubs in the National League do, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 a proper decent sized town as well. Uh, it, it's uh, as somebody that used to live in Chelmsford. You know, I, I used to with uh, my mum and dad. We used to we used to get the train from. Chelmsford to South End for that was that was our big day out uh, and going along South End Pier and uh, you know the, the football ground was was proper proper e- e- London expats lived in uh, in South End so it's 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 a proper good town um, and it'd be a, it'd be a huge waste because there's there's nothing near it either mm. you know the nearest club is Colchester yeah. um, uh, so it's not looking good I, I believe Uncle Terry. Made his first fortune standing underneath the roller coaster, waiting for money to fall out of people's pockets. <laughs> what, what I don't understand, Kieran, and I wish with hindsight that I'd asked Tom Murray, the lawyer, this in our interview this week, um, which was very good. But what, talking to the South End fans, they're saying all the local rumours are that uh, Ron Martin isn't going to pay the tax. There's he has a he has a buyer. These are rumours, of course. He has a buyer. For Roots Hall, which will be developed, and he'll make more money. But if if he if he's declared insolvent or, or goes into liquidity, how how would he he then be allowed to sell Roots Hall? I don't. That's what I don't quite understand. What's in it for him to 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 not pay the tax? I don't get it. Right. I mean, I, th- I think we have to separate the owner from the football club. Right. Okay. If okay. it. Uh, you know, Ron, Ron Martin will will not go bankrupt on, on the back of this, right? Because oh, right. Okay. he has he is a separate legal identity from the football club itself. I see. I see. So, so if there if there's a winding up order, then somebody will be appointed by the court to sell the assets um, of of the football club, and, and the biggest asset is Roots Hall. Now, it could be that Ron Martin will then come and say, well. I'm going to put in a very decent bid for Roots Hall. Oh my God! Um, right. Which is going to be higher than anybody else. I've I'm, I'm trying to get planning permission, um, although I think there's been issues in terms of the planning permission he's he's put to the local council to date. And this is there's there's some uncomfortable sort of nooks and crannies when it comes to to local planning permission. I know there's huge issues at present in respect of Yeovil Town 
for example, uh, in terms of of, of Huish Park. Mm. Um, so it, it could be that he's in, in a confident position that he will be able to to bid the highest price for the property assets. Then, as he won't have to pay the taxes, yeah, the tax the tax authorities will get a percentage of what's owed to them, and he can go ahead with this development. And you sp- you talk to people who are connected to. Uh, South End United, yeah, we, we we know some high profile South End United fans, and and they all say the same thing. You know, this this has been his his master plan for years and years that he was going to make his fortune from the redevelopment of the football ground mm. and relocate it, but he's managed to do neither to date. Um, but he, you know, this this could be some sort of last Machiavellian throwing of the dice. Yeah, I, I, I regret every fibre of my being that I'm, I'm asking a man to see sense. But I'm, please, God, come the 1st of March, he does pay that yeah. tax. Because, oh, you yeah, know, it's a conversation. We'll, hopefully we'll be talking uh, to Tracy Crouch later this week, and it's a conversation. We need, we, we not, we, we need to be not – I'm getting cross. I'm genuinely getting cross because we need to be not having these conversations in two, three, four years' time. It's, it's just not right. Um, <laughs> the next, there are two stories, Kieran. We have now about Stadia, uh, to say mm. correctly, Stadia. And to be perfectly honest, when the first one came through, when producer guy sent the email with the stories on, I had to check the date because I yes. I thought this must be the first of April, and that wacky old Kieran and guy. And see, let's see if Kevin reads this out without double checking. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I'm, I'm willing to accept. I, I, I want to hear you say it, Kieran. Because apparently Bolton Wanderers have signed a new five-year stadium naming rights deal with a Bolton-based building product manufacturer called Kieran Tough Sheet. <laughs> so it's going to be the Tough Sheet Stadium. It's going to be the Tough Sheet Stadium. That's right. Um, and <laughs> it, it's going to be. A, I, I'd heard it's going to be a, a very lucrative deal as well. It I would think need, we're talking it would need to be Kieran, wouldn't it? It would really would need to be. Yes. Um, and and, and I, I love the fact that you know we, we've seen the people at the signing ceremony. I, th- I think everybody's in on the joke as well. I, um, it's hard to miss the joke, Kieran. <laughs> yes, be perfectly. Oh, my father-in-law had very little. God bless him. He didn't have much of a sense of humour. He would have got it. Yes. So it's. Uh, I, I believe it's a seven-figure deal, um, which is okay. Well, that is decent. Very, very good. Yeah. Um, for a. Because I hate to say it, I, I still call it the Reebok. Yeah. Um, and, and I know it's then became the Macron, and it then became the University of Bolton Stadium. And I can assure you, the University of Bolton wouldn't have paid a lot of money for the naming rights. Um, and, and we've always said this, and, and and this is this is a big issue as far as as Spurs are concerned. Um, you know that that they go at huge lengths to get the media to refer to it as the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because. Yeah. Whoever gets the first naming rights gets, you know, it's it's it will always be the Rico, it will always be the Reebok, it will always be the Emirates, it will always be the Etihad. As far as um, you know, fans are concerned, uh, and you know, to to be the fourth or the fifth uh, naming rights sponsor uh, and, and get a deal of of, the, of this magnitude, if if the figures I've been told are correct, uh, is a hell of an achievement. Um, yeah. There, there will be puns aplenty. There, yeah, there will be there will be, when 
when somebody gets a last minute equaliser or a penalty is saved or whatever. Um, it, but I, I'd, I'd imagine it's a joke which which will pale quite quickly as well. Oh, I don't know. We've both got quite a childish sense of humour. I, I, yes. I, I, I still call it the Reebok until about three o'clock this afternoon when I got the email. And from now on, <laughs> it's nothing but the tough sheet. And I'm, I'm going to be manufacturing news stories every week just so I can, you can – Jeff Stelling is going to have the best three weekends of his life on Sky. It's just, every two minutes it's going, to be, it's going to be – we're going over to the tough sheet. Paul Merton oh, – it's, it's, it, it's fun. But the, the second stadium story, Kieran – Involves a club we've spoken about quite a lot recently, and it, it's it on on the face of it seems to be a, a a good story, but when you delve into it a little bit more, it's slightly mystifying. Yes, this this is Scunthorpe United, a club who were on our rotation list mm. uh, a bit too often um, uh, until a sort of a month or two ago when uh, the new owner came in. And we saw um, on Tuesday uh, something came up on the on the Scunthorpe United website, and it's it's a chance to own the club stadium. And you go, well, that that sounds good. Yeah. And then you know Scunthorpe United, uh, who who are not by the coast, by the way, uh, just to remind myself, <laughs> um, Scunthorpe United, uh, Glanford Park. Um, it was, you know, the, cl- the club started in 1899. So this is called the 1899 Club. And there's going to be uh, a chance for 1,899 people to pay £1,899 each. And they will get one share in the company that owns the club stadium. And you go, well, that's a good way of raising it. And you sort of, you, know, you do the maths and it's sort of, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, the, the thick end of four million pounds, which could be raised from this. And you go, well, that, that could be very good. And then I go, well, let, let's just check Scunthorpe's accounts. And, and the thing is, Scunthorpe sold their stadium yeah. in 20, I think it was in 2021. So they, they sold their stadium to a company called Cool Silk, which was owned by the club's former owner, Peter Swan. So, what exactly does this involve, and what are fans getting in in respect of if if the football club doesn't own the stadium, then there's there's talk of a nine hundred ninety nine year lease. Does that mean that this company Cool Silk is going to lease the stadium? Is there going to be a new company set up? And the more that you read what's on the website, and you know, if you if you uh, do become one of these uh, investors, um, you it doesn't include your match ticket, but you, but you do get to, to to sit in one of the stands, which you'll sort of have a you know, bit of a hospitality area, and they say, well, you will pay no more than the, the price of a cheapest season ticket, and you'll be able to transfer these shares. But you know, I'm I'm just sort of thinking, you know. Scunthorpe, they normally get crowds of you know perhaps four thousand if they're doing well, four to five thousand. Um, it, it's it's not an area of significant wealth, so you know at a time of you know economic struggle, how are you going to find nineteen hundred people willing to pay nineteen hundred pounds for a share in something that the football club itself doesn't own, mm. and it just makes you feel this. I think there's there's lots of 
questions which need to be asked. And I think uh, the to be fair, the the fans' trust is is going to approach the club and with with a long list of questions and to try to get some clarity here. But looking at as it is, I, I think you'd be very reluctant to recommend such uh, such a, a payment. Um, but also, you know, are, are there eighteen hundred and ninety nine people in Scunthorpe that that have that spare cash to to be able to do this? Mm. It, it almost smacks of the Springfield monorail in The Simpsons somehow, doesn't it? But yes, as as usual. We would say this, if anybody from the fans' trust or from the club wishes to clarify what's going on, we'd only be too pleased to talk to them. Um, two more stories, Kieran. Um, both of them have the word shameful in, because one of the shamefully few female executives in English football is leaving to become one of the shamefully few female chairs in football. Well, Yes, it's it's not quite football. Um, this this is this is Debbie Jevons who ha- has uh, been involved with the EFL for a few years now, and she she has come in for a lot of stick from Berry fans historically. A lot mm. of Berry fans feel that she was res- partly responsible for the demise of the club in terms of her role at the EFL. I, I personally think that's very harsh. Um, she she effectively inherited a mess. Um, and it was it was it was too late to to try to turn things round as far as the club was concerned. Um, but yet she she will be leaving the the EFL and and she's going to to Wimbledon Wimbledon tennis, um, not not AFC Wimbledon I think. Um, and she's uh yeah, she she did try to progress things at the EFL in in my view. So uh, she's. She 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 made a, a contribution. It, she wasn't able to to save uh, Berry Football Club, but nobody was able to save Berry Football Club. It was such a mess. Um, you know, I, I know some of the people that were involved who who were trying to buy the club from from Steve Dale, and Steve Dale was impossible to deal with. And I think what happened in respect of Berry was indicative of the governance problems in in football which necessitates an independent regulator and you know we are we are hoping to to have news on that and you know we, we have spoken to tracy crouch uh, it, it's i think it's 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 fairly well known that the the government is planning uh, a white paper and and there's there's a fair chance that that will be announced on thursday and if it is announced on thursday we're hoping to have a uh, have a long chat with tracy uh, when her diary is free, and we we are we are we are on the case. Yes, we are. Um, I, see that this is my fault. I, I really should do a bit of research on these questions, Kieran, shouldn't I? Rather than leaving it all to you, I just assumed it was at, what AFC Wimbledon. But so now, Kieran, we could retake that opening line, but it's ten past eight. You need to go to bed. Yes. So we'll carry on, shall we? Um, <laughs> yes. The last story, Kieran, and this is a story. That you and I, we haven't spoken about this much on the show, but I know you and I both share an anger about the fact that there are some people, some despicable people, who are willing to exploit the hopes and dreams of young children who want to become footballers. And hopefully they're about to be called out. 
Yes, um, this this is a report uh, in in one of the news uh, newspapers. Um, this is because there are people who are setting up academies, football academies, uh, which have no affiliation to football clubs, but they are then saying that oh yeah we've got contacts with scouts we've got. Uh, We've, we've got contacts and relationships with football clubs and come along and uh, we'll charge you up to a £1,000 for, for your offspring to, to get some training. And I'm not saying that they, that they don't get any training, but they're, they're, selling, they're selling a hope, they're selling a dream. And the vast majority of the times, it, it's a complete fabrication uh, it's a fraud, and, and you you have to pay your registration fees, and you've got to pay more for kit, and the the, the parents are suckered in. Mm. Uh, it professional football clubs do have academies, and they they go down you know, right to the you know, very very low ages of kids, but they they don't charge yeah. because the, the whole one of the great things about football is it is one of the true meritocracies as an industry because you know I, I know working in in the world of finance that there are people in positions due to who their parents are who their contacts are and so on um and you can't get away with that in football because you there's nowhere to hide um so so that that that's part of the reason why why I do love football it is a it's a very democratic industry in terms of those who who play it is open to all um it's got a a much higher proportion of people who have come from state schools than than other many other industries um and and that's that's something which should be championed but the fact that we've got people saying well football is now ridiculously popular you know it, we, we got to be honest, it's more popular than than any point probably in our lifetime you know we we, we remember the, the I, I remember going to, to crowds of you know this was when brighton were in the the old first division we, we sometimes had crowds of less than ten thousand, mm. and you, you look at some of the some of the stuff which goes out on social media in in terms of attendances in in the mid to late 80s and and you, you're absolutely shocked uh, in uh, in terms of what clubs can generate and and football it has improved itself um you, you know and, and a part of the reason for that is the premier league which which has i know it's gentrified fans and and it's it's brought a different audience and much of that is to be applauded it's made it a, a much broader demographic but that means that there's people out there that are trying to take opportunities and uh, as such uh, the these private academies um all, all i would say is to anybody that is either approached gets a flyer through their door uh, sees something on facebook or social media professional football clubs themselves don't go around doing these things. Um, if if your if your child is 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 good at school, then the chances are they will be seen. If they're playing in a in a local uh, you know a, a local minis league, they will be seen by by scouts, and that will be fed back. Um, don't don't be suckered into thinking that somebody who approaches you to say, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah, your kid's really good. I, I can see, you know, he's got the potential to be the next Harry Kane or she's got the potential to be, uh, you know, the next Rousseau or whatever it's going to be. Um, 
don't don't be fooled by that because these people are just after your money. Uh, I remember, Kieran, in the uh, early to mid eighties, thanks almost entirely to the efforts of one Alan Mullery, Esquire, when we were playing in front of four and a half, five thousand people at home. Um, yep. uh, and even they were only turned up to boo him on and to boo him off at the end of the game. Um, to be fair, Kieran, this is an, an area that I have done some research in uh, recently, uh, and I've been to a fairly decent sample of Premier League Championship uh, club websites and uh, teams outside the top two divisions. All of them say exactly what you say. We will find, if your boy or girl has some talent as a footballer, we will find them uh, mm. and we will approach you. We will never ask you for money. And all of them, all of them to a club have a disclaimer saying, do not talk to anybody who approaches you on our behalf. Double check any email headings, double check any headed note paper you might have, ask them for identity because there are a number of people out there who are operating basically a fairly decent scam. And like you say, they are given some some training, but these people have no connection to the club's whatsoever and I, I really hope that this new report is the start of making sure that these people are rooted out of the game because we are talking about children here Kieran, basically yeah. um we've mentioned tracy crouch several times in the independent review we are talking on wednesday the white paper is due to be published at twelve thirty tomorrow Kieran, i believe is it i think it's yeah we, we're hearing rumors yeah. of that uh yeah fingers crossed it'll be out yeah sort of late morning uh, or just after, just after midday. I, yep. I, I imagine you. I was going to say you've been in your sleeping bag outside company's house, but I imagine you've already. Uncle Terry's probably got your copy somehow already. But um, not long after it comes out, we will be talking to Tracy Crouch, uh, the author of the white paper or the, the fan-led review that led to the white paper, and that interview will be going out separately on Friday. Um, thanks to everyone, meantime, who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, then email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And before poor sleepy Kieran nods off at his laptop, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I shall hand you over to him for his customary farewell. Well, Thank you, as always, for the support for the show and all the kind words you send us. Um, Patreon is one way, and we, and we really appreciate your, your commitment. We appreciate, you know, we, we know that you, you don't have to do it, and, and you choose to do so as a way of showing some uh, support for the show. Um, another way of supporting the show is is to go on to your app that you use to download uh, the podcast and, and to give us a review um, and give us what you think we're worth. Um, and, and as far as the commentary is concerned, I believe the commentary doesn't impact upon Apple's algorithms or, or where we are in the charts. But so therefore, you can you can effectively write whatever you want, and you know to, to celebrate to celebrate the great man returning to the top of the ICC bowling rankings at the age of forty. You could even say you would rather have it presented by Jimmy Anderson okay. and Brett Anderson of Swade. Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Two, yeah, well, two handsome men. Oh, mm. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone as cross as Jimmy. You, you know, fast bowlers, Kieran, legendarily, are not. Oh yes, not, yes. not, not <laughs> the, the cheeriest of men. We were filming a League of Their Own 
special in which a, a scratch team of uh, basically writers, uh, researchers, uh, and James Corden were playing against a team <laughs> that included Jimmy Anderson. And uh, James Corden accidentally had Jimmy Anderson caught and slip. And, no, <laughs> oh, no, it, both both sets of both sets of stumps went over. <laughs> he, he, he nearly went for Freddie Flintoff, who was on the floor, doubled up, laughing. Literally, we had to. It took about four hours to talk him into carry on recording. Bless him. But he's a <laughs> he, he's a really nice player. There's something about fast bowlers. But what a servant he's been to his country and to his county. Wow, he's what he's, I'm going to miss him so much. It's just a joy to watch. And uh, yes, well, I'm looking forward to the Ashes now. Bye, everybody. Bye. The Bye, son, for the